We all know there's plenty of characters in the sport of bodyboarding and one of them is a guy called Jason Bitzer. Uh, Bitzer had a career back around the days that your podcast host was a little bit more frequently in a contest jersey. Uh, he's contributed a hell of a lot to bodyboarding over the years, organizing a lot of events in the US. He originally hails from the east coast of the US, Joyzy, and these days he's actually a lifeguard on the island of Oahu and he's doing some really cool stuff. I'm a big fan of his work. I'm sure a lot of people out there who know Bitzer think he's got a heart of gold. He's a really great guy. Um, And this podcast episode was a real pleasure to record back earlier this year in Hawaii. So enjoy and thank you, Bitzer, for the dinner. I present Jason Bitzer to this podcast episode. We're uh, sitting here, and he's, he's he's been so kind of kind enough to invite me over for dinner, even though he forgot I was coming. And we're now <laughs> eating day. some some tacos, and we're having a chat. And thank you. It's yeah. really good to see you. Again. Yeah, you too, as mm. always. Mm. You're very familiar with this home. Oh, yeah, stayed actually. here. Actually, <laughs> I had an empty house. house. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was really nice. It was that that was actually my first. That was like my first trip back into bodyboarding. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Was, actually, it was pretty cool. It was super yeah. cool. Yeah. Super cool. Really memorable. Um, How's life on the North Shore right now? Good, good. Um, interesting, busy. I never thought I'd be this busy on a tropical island. Usually, mm. I think you'd move to a tropical island to relax, but that doesn't happen with me, I guess. Um, <laughs> I work 40 hours for one job and probably another 60 for my own stuff. And then I got a kid and my dog, who's hopefully going to be not barking through this whole podcast. Being very well behaved right now. Yeah, yeah. She's easier to train than my daughter, so that's yeah, a plus. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> So with, um, how long have you now been on the North Shore for? Or in Hawaii You know, least? it's one of those things, I, I, I basically in my mind, I moved here when I was 18, mm. but I always would go back probably around May of every year to either Florida or New Jersey to lifeguard to make mm-hmm. money to do the Super Tour. So mm-hmm. that was like the formative years of when the Super Tour started. So when I came out here, I literally graduated high school and then I got on a plane two months later after wow. work in summer and then um, do like a six month click go work for three months and then do as many contests as I could Yeah, and then do it all over again. And then after I got married, I've been here about 13 years now. Okay. Like hundred percent. Okay. Let's just adjust your mic a little bit. Sure. It looks like it's folded on the neck there. Mm. It's all those muscles. It's kind of bending it in. <laughs> Maybe just flick it out. Okay. Yeah, let me come around and help you. It's all right, we'll edit this bit out. We'll and keep this it this fancy tux I got on is messing yeah. with it. There we go, this will be fine. Cheers. Um, so, so you've been here then for quite a long time. Yeah, almost. I've been here almost as long as I lived in my home state of New Jersey. So wow. I'm kind of like I'm getting quite close. You know That's what I mean? Crazy. And so for the listener, I mean, I know there's a lot of people who probably are listening to this who already know what you're up to over yeah. here. Well, m- some of what you're some up of to, it probably. But um, but your your main kind of field of work over here is as a North Shore lifeguard. Yeah. Is that fair mm-hmm. to say? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Usually, I'm a lifeguard. When you say North Shore lifeguard, oh, it's, okay. it's a cool. It's I am a North Shore lifeguard now. It's cool to say that, but I've worked everywhere on the island, so I kind of like to make sure that everybody knows that when they're like, "Oh, you're a North Shore lifeguard," I'm like, 
it's hard to be a lifeguard here no matter where you're at. And yeah. I, I like to throw a little bit of okay. respect to everybody. Respect yeah, to the other so coasts. I've worked four years in basically every district, but I always worked up here okay. because in the beginning when I was still a pro bodyboarder, I was part-time. Mm-hmm. So I'd do like two days up here during the week and then work the weekends on the west side. Or mm-hmm. And then I've, I roughly have done four years in every district, but uh-huh. I've always worked up here since the beginning though. Okay, so you've always had bits and pieces bits and, Yeah, exactly. That's a little bit apropos. Huh? Oh bits no, how was that? Yeah. How was that? As I said it, I realized what I was saying. <laughs> Which, um, so, I mean, you, you were at, you've, have, have you guarded at Sandy's mm-hmm. and Michael Yeah, as everywhere, well? yeah. I did, I did probably like two or three years between those two beaches where mm. I was there like very much five days a week, especially in the summer, and then I would come up here in the winter, obviously, mm. but yeah, and they're busy, <laughs> yeah. They are, right. So what, yeah. what are some of the differences maybe to the uneducated, like are there differences of yeah, what totally. can happen? Yeah, totally, oh yeah, totally. So give us, let's, let's go around the compass. Yeah, what, yeah. What are, let's start with the north. What's, what are the main kind of challenges it's, that happen on the north? The thing is for like the guards up here in general is you have to be comfortable in really large surf. So yeah. it's usually you get guys that either one, want a challenge or two, already comfortable. Yeah. So you get a guy like GT mm. or you get a guy like I've just been brought up up here that, you know, born and raised on the North Shore. They're used to it. Mm. Um, then you get some of the guys that are just like, I want to do that. So they go through the stepping stones and they get there at one point too. I was kind of a mix of both. Mm. Um, I was comfortable in big surf, but then again, experience is really good to get everywhere else. Yeah. And then every beach has its thing. So lifeguarding just in Hawaii is there's, there's a high population. You don't think about it. You think, oh, it's tropical, but it's actually pretty much a metropolis. So mm. you get influx of people it's gnarly out here it's just mm. the way it is mm. but yeah I, i've been you know fortunate to be a lifeguard basically since i've been 16 years old to tell yeah. i was if you're going to say a profession i was a professional lifeguard before i was a professional bodyboarder yeah, because yeah. i was being paid since i was 16 on the beach mm. in new jersey and then back out here and so on and so forth yeah have you ever done the kind of well what's the most what well, is there a favorite station to get like um, is there a station that everybody's like yeah i'd like to be there you know it's through phases mm. probably just like a lot of guys that like to surf pipe it would be pipe but it just depends because phases of life dictate if you want to challenge yourself go to Waimea because it's super hard if you want to challenge yourself as a lifeguard mm. go to Waimea it's it's nuts I, I was hurt for the last two months I came back my second day at work I had five rescues in an hour and I was like I'm back like great this is you know I'm 38 years old it's, there's no joke like and you do the best to prevent stuff but that's the type of place where stuff just happens so it's like Why it's like, yeah and my partner is another bodyboarder's great lifeguard this guy Jesse King and we were just like trying to stop it wasn't happening is was at 6 8 it's just you're just you're constant it's just like Sandy's that's crazy Sandy's in there just non-stop now if you're talking about where you want to take your break and surf when exactly, you got a break right? where you like to surf so some guys like chun some yeah. guys like lonnie's i like pipe because i bodyboard mm. it just depends you know what i mean now that i'm a little bit older i like i have a little bit more like kind of i like different beaches for different things like mm. i get an hour training break or an hour break for the day sometimes mm. i like to take my daughter surfing so chun's yeah. is good you know so, so it's just kind of it's re- it's relative okay. at this point but yeah probably for me rock piles yeah because you're at Pike, such a nice spot. It's just an awesome place. Yeah. There's waves all the way around. Yeah, yeah, you got yeah. Kiki, so you have you got the shore break Kiki you got to deal with. You know, you got a sick little body surf spot right yeah. out there. You got insane, and then you got Pipe too. So you're mm. kind of like, and in all honesty, the one thing about lifeguarding people don't really realize is that it's taxing mm. talking to people all day. Sure. It's nice to take a break, even though I'm pretty jovial. It's like sometimes <laughs> you you're like, okay. you it's like, like yeah, because you know you work at Pipe, and every ten seconds, like, which one's the bonsai, and oh. some, you know, so that's, <laughs> that gets it's like anything you do it for work, and it gets old, you know. 
Very yeah. Good. yeah, that's classic. That's classic. Um, so how, how long are these breaks that the lifeguards get throughout the day? We how, get one, one hour training break, so you can... One hour training break. Yeah, yeah. So, so what does be, that even mean? Yeah, so it can be whatever you want, really. You can take, you can go shell hunting or you can go do beach sprints. It's okay. your hour to train. Can you surf? Yes, you can surf. Okay, yeah. so and that you better is a surf, surf. Yeah, I would say you should. I don't. I wouldn't really trust a lifeguard that doesn't because yeah, they better know what they're getting into. Yeah, right? sure. So that's kind of like a standard. If the waves are good, everybody's taking their break to surf. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So but it's yours try. to do what you want. If you want to go lift weights, you go lift weights. But if the waves okay. are good... People are surfing. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay, cool. And it's a bonus on my end, I think, is because then you got a lifeguard in the water. Yeah. So not for nothing, a lot of my rescues, whether they've been on duty or off duty, are usually because I'm in the water already and yeah. I'm that much closer. Yeah, sure. Just what so happens. if something goes wrong in that time, yeah. you're there. Exactly. It's just yeah. a smart way to be about it. Yeah. It is, rather than pumping weight somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, now we've situated ourselves. Um, how has the season been this year? pumping actually it's been pretty good i got um really good pipe early like it was early october i'm pretty yeah, sure that's right and really it was jumped up didn't and it? it was really good kind of i had a little like uh break from body wearing for probably about a month or two but i, I went to porto um all of august so i was mm -hmm. kind of primed for that mm -hmm. as well and then i hurt my shoulder um end of october so i was out for november but i got lucky it really wasn't that good in november there's a couple mm. you know if you miss a triple crown it's like eh. yeah for me i'm like cool whatever but it was my first injury where i was actually out of work so it, it was a bummer but at the same time i was like whatever mm. and then uh the, i got back to work about two weeks ago now and i've been surfing every morning and it's been pumping like yeah. before the backdoor shootout yeah so surfed to like eight o'clock and i got a lot of good i probably have more good waves this winter that I've had in probably six, eight winters. It's yeah, been right. really fun, yeah. Cool. Really good. Not a, not a much of a crowd. Like, yeah. the surfers are kind of just hanging out because they're watching for their heats. Yeah. A lot of guys went to the mainland for ASR trade show. Yeah. So that other group that usually wasn't here and the body wars are nowhere to be found. So it's like, it's like five of your buddies in the morning and it's like yeah. people don't think it, but it still happens, you know? So is it just me or do I just, do I remember that back in mm -hmm. the early 2000s, when I was last hanging out yeah, here yeah, yeah. and you were on the tour and stuff like that as well. Like, how, was were there literally like 50 to 100 bodyboarders coming here? Oh, yeah. Was, easy, easily, right? Easily. Yeah, it's not my imagination. No. Kind of, you know, the fish was this big. You'd almost want to hide because you didn't want to be associated exactly. because it was like dramas because the amount. Exactly. It was like an economy almost. Yeah. It was like a legit. I know. There's probably more bodyboarders would come here than surfers. That's crazy, huh? Yeah. So it really was At, that. Or very close. Mm. Especially and Australians in particular, right? There yeah, there was a, a lot good, of I would say 70, between like 50 and 70 every, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, and you had like the A, B, and C, yeah. and then you had the D, and then you had like, you know, you had like the different regimes of yeah, Aussies yeah. coming through, yeah. And then you had like, you had everybody back then, you even had like Caribbeans and like, you had like yeah. most random people. It's it really weird. interesting. So like, so really, there really aren't many bodyboarders coming here. Like I think I'm, yeah. I, I've only seen one other Aussie bodyboarder in the lineup and that's about it. You know, I think, What's I, know, going I, th on? I think I know what happened. Um, I don't think people really think about it too much. Yeah. Contest obviously was always a draw. Mm. Um, and that's been only a couple of years where it's really not been in place. But you remember kind of, I remember specifically one year, Mickey Smith and then uh, Brendan Newton, they're in Hawaii and then mm. you never saw them again. Right, okay. you didn't really see them. They're like, and and I'm was really like tight with those guys back then. And then I just didn't see them anymore. And you're like, oh. And then you start seeing like ABC and mm. uh, you know Blank Canvas and all mm. that, that that movie. And there's a couple others and really, and you're like, oh. And you see all this other world of like 
there's all Other these opportunities to go and then and there's it. the canaries and then people are like okay well and it's the reality of it it's pipe mm. for bodyboarding it's pipe you might surf rockies but yeah. I, i'll shortboard rockies now yeah. like you know there's 50 slabs not saying they're better pipe is still pipe pipe yeah. is still the best wave in the world yeah. it's, i'm not Easy. trying to confuse people on that mm. or like trying to mm. but it's just that there was like oh but i can go to ireland and surf with three guys or i can go okay. canaries and, and after those videos started coming out people were like let's go bodyboard seemed like let's go on an adventure because mm. they're getting paid a certain amount of money yeah i could chase a tour points yeah or i could go like check out some rad waves and yeah. canaries or morocco or you know they could just do different stuff and mm. that's what they were doing okay. or they could just stay at home and get in a caravan for aussies well that's the same to do what's what they're doing now, now. yeah mm. and keep doing it guys because i'm surfing pipe by myself <laughs> so I well i mean it. i i do enjoy like uh, definitely when i've been out at pipe and I, I do remember, but I'm a lot older now, so maybe it's a bit different again. There's another factor there of actually just growing up and being more mature, hopefully. Mm-hmm. But, like, it was a lot more stressful when I was 20 to 25, or 20 to 23, I should say, when I was here, because there was a lot of competitiveness between the riders. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, yeah. we were all yeah. really, we just wanted that one wave that would get the cover, cover of the tide. Yeah. I think that's what why bodyboarding, and I'm not going to say that because, the, you know, the guys ripped today. But there definitely was like kind of like a golden era, yeah. I think, between 99 and probably 2006, yeah. somewhere in there. I think 2003 mm-hmm. or 2004 is probably like, obviously the level of riding's huge, but mm-hmm. it was pretty crazy. I though. was insane. Yeah. I was insane. And I, you know, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was hanging out there then, and yeah. it was an interesting time to be a part of it. But it's, it's very interesting to come to Hawaii. I'm still, I've still got to pinch myself a little bit that it's different. Yeah. Because. Yeah, yeah. I'm not seeing anyone. Oh no, you don't in see the, the bike. Water. You don't There's see no the bikes. You don't see the like. Yeah, you know, all the bikes. Yeah, you know, there'd be like yeah, the pilgrimage, yeah. from, pilgrimage from Walmart where people would like get dropped off at Walmart exactly. and then ride their bike from Walmart all the way back. Exactly. For like Thirty miles and like exactly. just lines of crap now. bikes everywhere and like then there'd be scraps and boogie boards and the garbage cans yeah. and like oh did you hear what happened over here? You know yeah. who look who's looking for you yeah. know Perry Dane's looking for this body <laughs> or whatever. whatever. I mean, it's pretty funny. I'm glad I escaped a lot of that. I actually remember specifically. Specifically, like um, one time I was paddling back out a back door mm. and I just heard all the like I just didn't want to be in that realm of getting my ass kicked in those years or being yeah. on the radar and I remember seeing Perry Dane drop in on like a six eight foot back door one and it was either take the lip or get yeah. in his line and I was just like I'm gonna eat shit right now and I just ate it I just took the lip but I didn't get beat up so I, I was up. and my buddy Murph saw it and he's like yeah I know what you were thinking <laughs> I got destroyed too but at least I didn't get on the cover of any bodyboard magazine yeah yeah up or yeah, anything. yeah. I was playing frisbee once with Mitch, um, and I think we were staying next door to Perry Dane's place, and the frisbee went over the fence. (laughs) It's it's one of the scariest. It's one of the scariest. He he wouldn't let me not. I swear I did go and get it. Yeah, yeah. and like it's one of the scariest moments of my life. It's like the scene from Sandlot when you got to get the baseball over the fence. You're like, uh, is your arm gonna come back? It's so it has it has it. You know what's funny about that? I see I see him all the time now. Oh, he's yeah. super nice. I'm sure because he comes to Wyoming and he fishes and he's I'm like, sure. hey, what's up here? I'm sure. <laughs> Just I'm funny. Sure. And I mean, that's I think that's what the the real essence of this place actually is: is that people you know, are nice. People they are, are nice. Really, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like but it's like anything. If you don't know them, they exactly. Know, why, why would they ever there's reason a, to talk? There's to a guard you? up there, and yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you're just one of a hundred. Aussie bodyboarders. Yeah, and everybody's nice, here and, and taking resources essentially. Of and course, we understand that. Yeah. Of course. So it's um. So would you say then that it has kind of categorically mellowed out a lot more over here in the last? Yeah, decade? you know, it has and it hasn't. Okay. It has in the water. 
That has in the water, right? And I'm gonna give that credit to the kids because mm. the next generation, like, honestly, they're a bunch of sweethearts. It's like mm. they're the nicest kids ever. Like, mm. I'm not saying if you dropped in on them or something, they might not snap at you or so. But it's not. It's just not the same thing. And they're just really good kids. Whoever you know, whoever their parents are, kudos to them. They're nice. Ah. They're they're great to watch. They're they're amazing surfers. Mm. You know, and they're really nice kids. The other side of the North Shore is that there's a ton of crime outside of the water. So the North Shore. Okay. That's why I got the dog laying there, and mm. you know, and so it's just there's a lot of petty and there's a lot of drugs and that kind of thing. So that side of it, I think, has gotten worse, but it's uh-huh. more because it's more governmental and mm. just systematic. It's not anything to do with the surf scene, yeah. But in the water, it's mellow compared yeah. to what it is, you know. And everybody, I think, knows their place mm. for the most part. It's mm. it's more if something happens, it's accidental. There's not really like there's nobody burning each other nah. pipe on purpose. No, nah, I mean? there's none of that. There's yeah. none of that, and and it seems yeah, it definitely seems a lot more mellow to me. And you know, I'm I the, clearly the am not from too, here, so you know, like it's kind of and I don't feel like there's eyes on me yeah. as a yeah. as an outsider. It's just a lot. Yeah, lot you know, you know, when we were first coming, part of me, the the mornings would be packed with bodyguards. Mm. Yeah. Now the mornings are just like, get oh. your fill till t- 9 o'clock, and there nobody's coming till 10. So. Exactly. It's crazy. It's like shift work. You're like, hey, bud, good to see you. Oh, you're going to get, like, you're fried anyway. You've already gotten, if you get four good waves at pipe in the morning, you're like, oh. you're done. You Even, like, mean? to be honest, one good one wave, good wave pipe, pipe is, is actually enough. just, like, yeah, enough. Yeah, exactly. If you get, like, three backups and one mm. good one, you're like, okay, I'm, my work's done for the day. Yeah. Have at it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So. Okay, so we're, we're, it's mellowed out, and you've been here through this this period. But let's rewind because mm-hmm. you know we did put you in the vintage box. <laughs> vintage so, bar, um, yeah. so, like, how how did you begin your life in bodyboarding? Mm-hmm. What was the moment where you kind of? What was the first moment when you got into it? You're gonna love this one. Yeah. Uh, my first bodyboard was called a Rainbow Rider. Oh, yeah. Nice. It's, I haven't told that story, well, but basically, continue. yeah, continue. <laughs> um, it was like, a, we call them five and dimes. Like you'd mm-hmm. call them like a Woolworths or whatever, mm-hmm. but even smaller, like in the Jersey Shore, it's, there's not a lot of places like it. I guess it's like a mix between Cronulla and like Luna Park. Mm. It's all like, you know, the, it, it's hard to visualize. It's crazy. It's though. crazy. It's packed. There's nobody, it's it's desolate in the winter. Mm. You don't see one person except for the seagulls while you're serving. Summertime, there's 50,000, 100,000 people on the beach. Mm-hmm. Merchants everywhere, carnival, everything, you know, and. So there's this place called Belmar, New Jersey, and I lived inland. I lived about a half hour inland, but my mom loved the beach, luckily, and she would take me pretty much every day during the summer. Wow. A bunch of little winds, so I get these little south wind swells, and I was just playing, and these guys were like going straight on bodyboards. Like, that looks fun. So she went across, got me a bodyboard. I rode it every day. That's all I wanted to do for a whole summer. Yeah. End of that summer, my dad goes, this kid's into this, and he bought me this thing called an Eliminator. I don't know if you remember those ones. Who yeah. made those though? Was it, it was its own thing. Oh, it was its own thing. But it was slick on slick. Oh, okay. Yeah, like it looked like, like you know what I mean? It had a so slick deck so you could wax the top. It was trippy That's the way sick. it was. But it was like a $250 bodyboard back oh, then. Wow. And I was like, holy shit, if my dad's buying me something this expensive, I better use it. It was way too big for me. It was yeah. 42 inches. Yeah. And I remember we took like a weekend trip. There's a place called Island Beach State Park, which is like kind of like Deba. Mm. Like you go across a bridge, it's an island, it's yeah. a nature reserve. And, Sick little sandbars, probably like a foot, and I just that was like my first real memory of like pulling in a barrel and just eating it. But it was just crystal clear green water, just like you just. And I was like, oh, I'm hooked on it. Sick. Fast forward a little bit because of winter, still living inland. I just kept talking to my parents like, hey, when I get, I want to go to high school here. I want to go to high school here. I want to get out of inland. I want to go to high school here. So we were renting homes at the time. The lease was up, and my mom was like, well. He's going to, you know what I mean? He's going to be in high school. He's going to be on his own doing stuff. Why don't we be near the beach so he can go to the beach? And they did it and we were kind of broke and poor, which was like a 
positive for me because mm. it was a cheap place. Now it's super expensive to live there. Uh -huh. Like all these people from New York want to live there and, and right. people got priced out and everything. But at the time it was just a small little fishing village, kind of like Port Macquarie. Yeah. And we moved there um, basically just because I wanted to get on a bike in the middle of fucking winter yeah. with a 543 and surf. Mm. So they did that for me, which Sick. is cool. Yeah, and then Sick. I started competing and doing the whole thing. I met like Mike Murphy yeah. when I was 14 and like, I was like basically like the nerd, like, oh, what do I, like Dave grew up at the shore, I didn't, all I wanted to do is, yeah. you know, that kind of, and it's, that's what I do, I just get on my bike at 13 and ride to the beach, and yeah. I did that all throughout high school. So I was 13 when you got the Eliminator? I was probably 11, 12, uh, yeah. and that thing probably lasted four years. Wow. And then my next board, I won a contest, and it was a BSD. Oh, nice. They did this thing called Big Sea Day, which is probably like your local club contest. Okay. And it's waves, Manasquan Inlet. It's kind of like um, North Wall. Manasquan. 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 Yeah, I've surfed it with you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have in Jake's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah you probably that, have. Yeah. It gets really good. Mm. Um, rare, you know, more in the winter. But I think that's one reason it's funny. Our, our waves are really similar to Port Macquarie. And yeah. Kingy and I always had like this. He's like, this is like break wall. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, it's this lovely break wall. Um, but yeah, and then I won a board. I was like, oh, okay. I'd made a bet with this kid who was who was like more of like the known bodyboarder. I was like, I guarantee I'll beat you in this contest. I made like a $50 bet and then I won and he didn't show up and pay me, but I got a board, so I was Sick. stoked, you know what I mean? And that, that, like little things like that fire up. Oh, you can win boards. And then it was for a surf shop, so they sponsored me and I was like, oh, I, can, I didn't even know it was a thing you could compete, yeah. but then I just started competing and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, and that's where it kind of evolved. Exactly, yeah. And that's cool. So, I mean, how long, like, I mean, because you've gone into the kind of transition period, you could say, from, from chasing that professional bodyboarding life mm. and then transitioning to just normal life, normal life with yeah. bodyboarding still playing yeah. a smaller yeah, part exactly. over time. Yeah. Um, when when did the transition phase for you begin? Well, the thing about being a pro bodyboard, even though you could say, I was like, there's not that many guys that actually could say they got made a living off it. And I, I pretty much did. Like I, I paid my bills for a little while off it, which is pretty cool to say. It's yeah. I mean, it's not very rare. You know it's very I, mean? rare. I wasn't killing it, but I, you know, I still lifeguarded three days a week, but then I could cut it and go travel. Yep. But I, com I competed as like a, um, kind of like a, a means to an end. I wanted to be able to travel. So yeah. the only way to do that, like when the Super Tour came up, I was like, whoa, these spots, are, this is what I wanted to do anyway. Yeah. I really, in retrospect, I really wish I could have put more into competition. I think, yeah. cause I have a competitive mindset when I need yeah. to, I think yeah. I could have done better. Yeah. But like I said, what I was doing, I was always, well, I was always working too, so yeah. I could do it. So what I would do is I'd go work for two months yeah. and then show up in Tahiti. Yeah. I hadn't surfed all summer, maybe like a two foot wave a couple times. I was basically busting ass, lifeguarding yeah. and then valet parking yeah. and doing that stuff. And then finally when I got sponsors, I was traveling more. But And then at that point I was like, these guys are so far ahead. They're These guys are like, G, you look at like a GT yeah. or like a Stewart. Or yeah, so, yeah, yeah. They were like, that's what I wanted to do. I just wanted to nonstop train and surf, train and surf. Yeah. But you're like in the mid, it's just, uh, there's a gap that you got to fill to be able to pull it off. You know what I mean? And if you don't get the funding to, to bodyboard full yeah. time, you, you, it's going to be hard to fill that, to bridge that gap. Exactly. So I always worked. I never didn't work. Either yeah. I was working for my sponsor as a rep or like yeah. sales manager, or I was running events on the side. I always had income separate, but I did get paid a check from a couple companies. Bodyboard was cool. So I know that's a long-winded answer, but when you circle back, I was already transitioned because I never did yeah. it work. So it wasn't like one of those guys who were like, oh shit, I gotta get a job. I was like, yeah. oh, I'd get a job. You Where did I mean? this, um, with your, um, sorry, someone's cleaning their trees outside. Um, <laughs> when, when you 
like you seem to be quite entrepreneurial. Like you're a doer. You go out there and you, you get the job. Incessantly bored, so I'm always doing stuff. I think. Okay, my, where does it come from? Like, is it just from boredom? Probably my dad. He's like me a lot. Yeah, yeah he's just not. I remember when I was young, my dad was a. Um, this thing called police athletically he would build these buildings for kids to do sports like uh -huh. fundraise for him so yeah. i was always all over new jersey then he was raising the money building the building baseball like yeah, right. basketball boxing, like community sports. community sports and mm. stuff like that but it, it was like in reality it was a hustle and the thing is, yeah no it is it's, <laughs> it it's, is. A, it's a hard work and yeah but the difference is some people look at that like as like a um a negative but where i'm from it's not yeah you know what i mean like you work hard you make money it's just yeah. what it is you gotta you gotta fight for your own you gotta do you gotta you gotta do stuff so my, i'm a little bit of a spaz anyway so that's probably why but um, yeah i just like to do stuff i like okay that goal might keep going do the next yeah. one so that's probably why and it hasn't stopped because now I'm looking at a couple of big yellow boxes. Well, one's bigger than the other. Mm -hmm. um, so what's in these yellow boxes? Can you describe <laughs> to the listener as best you can the big yellow box? And then I'll... It's, and then we'll, it's uh, Big more Bird's questions Urn. For yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, where, it's where Big Bird's ashes went. Oh, God. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, so they're, they're yellow, so they're visible. Um, that's why I have these big yellow boxes here, but they're filled with medical equipment um, uh -huh. to be freely used by the public. So the specific ones, uh, these are the Never Off-Duty SFAC, so Surfer First Aid Kits. Yeah. Um, the ones that are inside the casing, which is basically like a Pelican case is probably the brand, like, you know. Yeah. But they're just, they're actually made from the same company. They're just, yep. uh, they're just the same ones they're made for us, though. And uh, these ones are going to be stations, so high surf beaches or beaches that have high um, surf accidents. Yep. So like well, good examples right across the street from here is leftovers, there's a shark attack, one fatality, one guy lost his leg. Whoa. Very deserving of a, of a bleed kit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I put one at a residency because there's a lot of red tape with the government. So we just started a pilot program, private property. People know where it is. They just go grab it off the thing. But okay. If it gets stolen, it gets stolen. Um, other places in New Jersey, we're working with Asbury Park um, and a couple other municipalities. Really easy to do. They're like, yeah, let's put them up. So cool. Washington Avenue, Spring Lake, I think is going to take one. A couple other places near where I grew up. And we're also selling them to the public because like the vacuum sealed one is just something perfect to throw on your board bag. Yeah. Uh, throw on your, your uh, glove box or anything mm. just to have one on you in case you catch a finner or you hit the yeah. reef or whatever it is. It's a bleed control kit. And it's kind of like the Tom the Tom Shoes model, like buy one, give one. So yep. we're using them to raise money to go help out Proactive Opens Arms, which is a, um, hey, kind of, shh, sorry. Dog's trying to make an yeah. escape as we she, talk. She smells the tacos. Oh, uh, yeah, you got to eat some of those, by the way. I'm going to throw her one. She'll be yeah, happy. There we go. <laughs> oh, that is torture. Yeah, you got it. So to do, just to let the listener know, a taco has been thrown, but it is now stuck on top. Oh, no, oh, she, she got, got it. it. Okay. Stuck That's on top pretty... of the, the cage slash kettle. That she figured it out. Yeah. She's a smart dog. Yeah, she's smart very dog. smart. But um, so never off duty. So we've got, it's, it's about surf um, survival. And, yeah, and exactly. Yeah. Being, if you're in an isolated place, it yeah. seems, is the main so, game, would you say? or Two different, like if you're going to go in a path there's two directions one direction is places that have lifeguards that need equipment so okay. like with porto this summer uh we gave them a rescue sled they needed mm. it they broke one during oscar um and uh, contest uh-huh so they broke it i was like okay i was down there they needed i donated some fins already just you know from viper they help us out i was like oh pff, they need a sled so 
Then I went to Pro Guarding. I'm like, hey, this is a nonprofit we want to do. Can you help us out? So I work with different vendors. Yeah. I'm not really in the business of manufacturing. Yeah. I'm helping them make better equipment, all these, and giving my advice and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But I just want to be able to focus on missions, so getting them the equipment. And then the other side of things is actually putting these uh, surfer first aid kits at the beaches. So it's like training, equipment, yeah. and then placement. Okay. I think she wants out. No, I'll let her out. Let's see how well behaved she is. I'm sure she'll be fine. Yeah. She wanted to jump all over me before. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. But that's cool. That's Let's cool. go. We'll, we'll, yeah, let her out. Good counter. Do you want to... We can walk over. So yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, Everyone gets to do like a little dance quick, across. Yeah. So just letting out. What kind of dog is this again? Podcaster. Dog friendly. Look at Tim Ferriss. <laughs> he goes has his dog on. Come on. Okay, sit. Okay. No, she's good so far. Yeah. Um, with your ball. How is it being a dog owner, by the way? Are you... It's a lot harder than being a parent. <laughs> Puppies, you know what it is? Your kid will grow up and one day earn a living. Yeah. Your dog will get to three years old in their head and they'll stay three for the rest of your life. So you unless, basically have a Unless some, she becomes like a TV dog, like Inspector Rex. I, wa- I want her to be a actually, I've actually like trained her pretty gnarly So because she's got hops. Like This is like the Jordan of dogs yeah, right. or the LeBron. She can do some crazy stuff. Okay, and she's cool. Just, she might be a moneymaker after all. I know. She's got her own Instagram page. Oh, well, there you go. Conigator. There you oh. go. There you go. The cat doesn't like yep, her much. Off. There you go. Um, with never off duty, like, I, I mean, I would make the assumption oh, <laughs> we're going to cat stand off. It's all right. They do it all the time. The, um, I would make the assumption that this kind of, well, where did this come from? This inspiration for this idea for you? Um, pretty simple. I'm getting older. So the thing is, is like, I'm one of those guys where I'm very honest about where I'm at in life with yeah. things. So like, yeah, I was, I think my prime in lifeguarding was eight, 10 years ago, even though I can still do the job. So that's all well and good, but you need to do something to keep your brain going once your like physical yeah. side goes and you can save a lot more people these days than just being one guy in the tower. So I yeah. think by getting equipment to places that need it, I could mm. probably still do what I want as a lifeguard, even into my sixties, you know mm. what I mean? So it's something fun to do that keeps my brain going, but then also helps people on a mm. bigger scale. It's like, Micro sitting in the tower, go rescue that guy. Yeah. As you get older, can you still save a lot? Yeah, you just just yeah. have to think about how to save a life. You know what I mean? And then utilize people that are younger than you that they can do the job and that kind of thing. So it's just like a way for me to stay relevant in lifeguarding, but not not like I'm falling apart or anything. But yeah, you don't just, look like it. <laughs> thank you. But <laughs> in, in general, just like to stay relevant and like do something just keeps your brain going and do some good. You know what I mean? I, get, I like to do things that are positive. So yeah. I keep, I mean, well, I mean, you could have, I mean, to be honest, you could have just started Never Off Duty and just done it for profit too. Yeah, totally. So why, yeah. what was it about the non-profit uh, avenue that was appealing to you or... Yeah, like so I, I do. I do have a for. I don't don't like. I still pay bills and everything else. So I do have a for-profit company called Safety Services. Yeah, just fighting the dog. You. It's all right. Um, so, yeah. So and I do train like corporate companies. Okay. But then I wanted to help these other nonprofits that yeah. have a need. They they need to be lifeguard certified to run these events at the beach, like Access Surf they, uh-huh. for um, disabled surfers. You know yeah. that need assistance. So I'm like, I don't want to charge these guys, and then I want to like, so how I can do this and still get the equipment for it and things yeah. like that. So I just, I just started doing it. And yeah. then I formulated the nonprofit as I was doing it. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, there's a bigger need with these other nonprofits like Proactive Open Arms. So that's like the Hawaii-based stuff where we're helping out like the 
um, adaptive surfing with access surf and then there's like a really big drowning crisis in the Mediterranean yes. with proactive open arms and they've got all this equipment and funding but they don't have the most elite training they're not saying that they don't it's just that they, there's some pieces that can help them we can help them yeah you know we got the best guys on the north shore we got we know some of the best medics and trainers and yeah more just like a co-op we can help them so now going from like okay starting here helping these nonprofits now we can go worldwide yeah. and go actually make a difference you know yeah. there's 500 people a day on average that they're bringing in sometimes on these boats and it's crazy and mm. they have the equipment but you know why not get the best jet ski drivers to show them how to do a mass extrication yeah just work together to make it more efficient kind of just use experience you already have Hmm. And so you were telling me before oh, they're we delivering off. the spa. They're going to help people in the Mediterranean. Oh, here's the spa. spa. Yeah, exactly. Um, that nonprofit. You, you were the telling beach. me. Well, you were telling me that that one of the plans you have with Never Off Duty is to fund through the sale of these yeah, kits because we haven't really done. I've been so busy. It's just dead honest. It's a one-man band, and I have people that want to volunteer to do the training. But as far as logistics, it's basically me. I built the site, I built the kits, I did everything. Yeah. Um, so I haven't really had time to do grant work. And when yeah. you're doing international grant work, it, it's a process. So mm -hmm. it, it hopefully you'll get there. And it's medically related, so there's potential. But in the immediate, people are still drowning. So yes. And the other situations, I know all these young surfers that are traveling around the world, and they've had instances like Koa Smith had a really bad accident this year, and and then Kiyoki, um, the photographer, he had a gnarly one where he got transported without a backboard with a broken back for seven hours in Sumatra and Nias, and his repeat scenario. Then you got Namibia, and then Eli Olson's over there is helping there, and then it just stuff is. It's not like if it's when it's like it's gonna happen. It's gonna mm. happen again. So then I started thinking like, okay, let's fix the problem simply. Okay, like, so Eli, here's a kit. Okay, so next time you're going to Niaz, let's set up a training. Mm. You know, like, let's do stuff that's kind of affordable. You're already going, and then just give them the kit and leave it. And hopefully it's there when somebody needs it. Mm. We'd like to get it a little bit more systematic where we're like scheduling these trainings and bringing five trainers down like we will for proactive open arms. Yeah. But I got to build the, the model for that one, and we're using that training specifically so then we can duplicate it, you know? Yeah. And then well, what's the plan with the med though? You were saying that you did you did have something in spring you were trying yeah, to Yeah, we're trying towards. to it's probably gonna be more like June because I okay. still have a regular 40 hour week job that I get yeah, time yeah. off. So we're gonna do a four-day training. Yeah. They use um see that's why I kept her in the kennel. No, um, she's, she's all right though. But uh so they have usually used uh seasonal lifeguards that poured in. So the next port of their volunteers, we yeah. want to go down there and train them. Okay. So when they bring in their new staff. She's trying to get, that's her like war call to get you to play. She just shakes her head with her ball. Yeah. So basically when they port their new staff, we'll go with our four guys and go, yeah. okay, here's your jet skis. Let's do a jet ski training. Okay. Let's do an extrication backboard training off the boat. Cause yeah. the thing is, is they need, I think they personally, I think the one thing, and it has to be seen firsthand, but when you're using boats like IRVs and stuff like yeah. that, and there's a prop involved. Yeah. Skis are always a better option for yeah. rapid. They do so. some cool stuff with booms where they put out these big like uh, floats. Yeah. Everyone just holds on and then they bring them to the bigger boat. Okay. But a jet ski is perfect for that. Yeah. So just just inner inner training like this is how you do it. This is how you do bigger pickups. <laughs> we might have to cancel this for a second. I yeah, we'll take a quick we'll through. take a quick pause and yeah. she's gonna go back in the kennel. Yeah. Okay, we'll, Kana. We'll walk across. Yeah. Here you go, Kana. Drop. Drop. Did you pause it or you're still going? No, it'll still like, go. I'll just cut it out. Okay. Right. Oop. Okay. Drop. Drop. Okay. Kennel. Kennel. Go kennel. Okay. Can you close that for me? Oh. And we'll just walk over here. Kennel. 
Should just throw it live on the site like this. Keep yeah. it authentic. That'd be good. Yeah. It's just dog training and podcasting. Yeah. Good girl. See, men can multitask. Yeah. If people could see us now, just holding the iPhone. Yeah. Look at, look at us go. Yeah, um, if it was our wives and we were so so with this um so yeah you were mentioning that so you're going to try and work with this next rotation of um lifeguards that go to the med yeah and then you're trying to fund this with the sale yeah of, of the surfer first aid kit. so, so they can be found on the site um we do actually have some friends that are going to rep them for us okay so they should hit the surf shops by the summer or just okay. before summer because that's when everyone really travels yep for surf uh holidays and and trips and of that nature. So hopefully you'll be able to find them in at least in the US and surf shops. Cool. And hopefully I'll hit up some guys in Australia too. And then um, we don't just use one vendor. So right now we're using North American Rescue for that, but we also use ProGuarding for our sleds. And then, so all these companies that we partner with, they give us a percentage of sales. Yeah. So the only thing we do purchase direct are these surfer first aid kits. And then yeah. we sell them to the public. They're 60 bucks, but they're well worth it. It's all high-end tourniquets. What, what's in it? Yeah, what, yeah what, so, what can you do with it? Yeah, and, and hopefully get a visual on the site, but yeah. Oh, the cat's just <laughs> teasing right. the dog right now. It's so a cat tourniquet. It's basically a tactical tourniquet. Yeah. Kana, hui. Shh. Good. Good. Shh. There you go. Good girl. So you only got two more tacos left to throw. Exactly. Oh no, we have to cut it short. It's got. It's basically got a just-in-time instruction card. So if okay. you were like never to be able to touch one of these, it can show you how to do it. Uh huh. Um, then it's got trauma dressings, gauze, the gloves, obviously for protection. Trauma shears, cut off wetsuit, whatever it may yeah. be you need to be if you got to get in there for an AED. Marker for the time you put a tourniquet on. Okay. Because you need to know. Okay. You know, these tourniquets are specifically made a certain width because say the difference between using a surfboard leash, Anna, yeah. a surfboard leash and a regular tourniquet is the width because if you use a surfboard leash, it'll cut off the nerves. Uh -huh. Save the life, but if you can still save the limb, which you might be able to depending, yeah. better to have a diameter of an inch and a half. Yeah. So that's why they're like that. And then um, a survival blanket for shock and things like that. So these are pretty compact. Everything you need to yeah. uh, fix dead, basically. It's like yeah. this or dead. Yeah. That's what this is for. Sure. What we would love to do is have everything, but this is for what you should have in your kit. What yeah. everyone, like I keep one in my glove box. Yeah. Give her a little pause maybe. I'll put yeah. <laughs> Well, the dog's outside now, so we could continue talking about these kits. So what, what so in the kit, there's basically everything you can need. You can you will need as a traveling surfer. Exactly to this deal with what's a the heavy, main a heavy bleeding case or trauma. Okay. So um, for anyone that's interested in going beyond that, mm. take a first aid CPR Red Cross course. That's what the basis yeah. of NOD is. I'm an instructor trainer. Yeah. So that's where our background is. But one-off, one-time emergency kit, you could rip this open and stop someone from dying. Yeah. So that's what this is for. So that first layer of defense for a bleeding case, like major trauma on a reef. Yeah. Just at shark bite, you know, we don't have to explain. Any type of major trauma has to do with arterial bleeding. Yeah. You can stop it like that. Okay. And anybody can do it. So that was the first idea for it. And it's pretty much getting well-received. So I've had a lot of... Like I, I gave a couple to some of the more well-known surfers, um, Eli Olson and a couple other guys, and they're psyched on it. Like, yeah. And then guys are like, where do I get one? Because you know, cool. even if you're just driving down the road and you see a car accident, boom. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's perfect. People like to help people, right? Yeah, well, you'd think, you'd hope anyway. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it seems like it's something like you seem to be a person that likes to help people. I mean, yeah, life yeah, my mom's kind of like that too. Yeah, I think it's just kind of like my mom 
Yeah. She's very like, like almost to her own detriment. I'm kind of that way too okay. sometimes. Okay. So with Never Off Duty, like, you know, if you fast forward into the future or project yourself into the future, say five years, mm-hmm. what do you hope to um, see Never Off Duty doing in five years time? Yeah. So I have, if you look on the site, you'll kind of see like what we want to do, what we are doing. So yeah. what we are doing was the Mexico mission complete. We got them the equipment they need. Then we want to revisit re-up their equipment. Then what I would really like to see is every major beach in the US, mm. possibly in Australia, more populated areas have one of these surfer first aid trauma stations, not the kits, a station. So backboard, uh, bleeding control, AED, full service until EMS or secondary care gets there that yeah. the public can use. Um, and then I'd like to have a full staff that is working for it so that way all these areas of need, whether it's a lifeguard agency that's underfunded in Mexico or it's like another NGO that needs higher level of training, yeah. we can just go and do it. We're not like having to go, we're doing a, a rapid fire um, fundraising for it to go do it. It's it's already established. We've got constant yeah. funding. So we can just go, yep, you guys applied, you apply, we process you, you're vetted, we're gonna go do it. Yeah. And we just set up strike teams to do it that way. Yeah. That's what I would like to see. Okay. Five-year plan. Any bodyboarding in the five-year plan as well? Yeah, I honestly, I'm way more fired up to bodyboard. I took a little break um, after I stopped doing the USBA. I was just kind of fried on events. And and it's like one of those things once you turn it into a full-on job. Yeah. And I wasn't surfing as much. Or like, okay, I need a little break. But now I'm just surfing as much as I can. You know what I mean? Anytime... Anytime I, I'm not with my daughter and my wife allows me, we just split the time I'm, I'm going to be in the water, especially yeah. early morning at Pipe. It's just, yeah. I'm, I, I just got really way more stoked on surfing again for the fun of it. So Where do you think that came from? Like, is it, do you think having um, more life, things in life to do other than bodyboarding has given you that passion, maybe I reboot? don't want to be 50 and go like, man, I should have surfed Pipe more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that sounds real stupid and selfish, but it's like, it's like every time you get a good one, you're like, oh man, maybe I could get an even better one. And yeah. it's just, but at one point, you know, not everyone's mic. So yeah. who knows when I'm just going to go, yeah, I'm tapping out, but I feel like I'm fit still. I yeah. probably feel, you know, I train more than I did even when I was in my twenties. Maybe yeah. that's just to keep up on it. I might as well surf. You know what I mean? I can yeah. do it. And honestly, I don't hit the lip as much as I used to, Yeah. but I feel like I'm a better barrel rider just yeah. because you can kind of finesse that with knowledge. Yes. So I'm like, oh, I can actually do this better than I did in my 20s. I might as well keep doing this and just work on that side of things. Barrel riding seems to be one of the only things I do on tour. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> you, can, you can get their heats that way. Yeah, I know. I was like, I was I like, hey, man, if they just like take yeah. cincher off the yeah. thing or yeah. something, maybe I'll just go chilly and <laughs> do it again. <laughs> Why not? Why not? <laughs> maybe make quarters. Sure. It'd be good to have you back. Yeah, it'd be, be fun. Back. Well, hey, let's let's wrap up the podcast cool. there. We're we're getting up to the time I like to get to with my guests. No problem. This was um this was a. This was a um, vintage tapes version of yeah. the podcast, but I'd like to probably add that it was a bit of a, a lowdown on the laydown because we did learn a lot about um, Never Off Duty and what what um, Bits is working on there. And I think some um, dog training as well, and some dog training, yes, whilst eating some tacos. Um, I'm going to add a link to Never Off Duty so people cool. can buy the Thank kits. You. And um, yeah, anyone listening, if you have any questions for Jason about this um, kind of uh, Never Off Duty work or whatever, make sure you get in touch. He's through the proper to... trains. DMs <laughs> do not work DMs well. DMs do not, not work. work they well. seem to work for me though. I yeah, get yeah. But, um, but yeah, like get in touch and um, and try and help spread the word, you know, like a, you never know when... Um, when that kind of disaster strikes in the surf and it's inevitable, yeah, you know, I, it'll happen eventually. If I can say something, if yeah. you're a surfer or a bodyboarder, you don't have a first aid kit, you're really just not 
you're not doing yourself a justice or your yeah. community a justice. You should have one. Like yeah. everybody should have one, especially if you're traveling. It's just stupid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even for yourself, you can apply a tourniquet to yourself if True. you need to. True. So get one. I'll let him finish then. Thanks for listening, everyone. Cheers. Thanks for thanks for having me over, Bitsa. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Cool. So that was Jason Bitsa. Don't DM him through Instagram if you want to get a Never Off Duty kit. Uh, follow the link that I've put in the show notes. Um, and as he said, you know, if you're traveling to remote places and you don't have some kind of basic first aid kit, you are kind of tripping. So just get one. Thanks a lot, Bitsa. You're a legend. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. That's all for now. The book, 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 the